church it's always a joy to be in his presence to to worship our lord not because of who we are or what we could actually do but simply because of what christ has done for us and the way in which he he loved us and he showed his love for us on the cross it's always a joy to sit in his presence and to hear what the lord has to speak to each and every one of us and i want to thank my god for this opportunity that he's given me to do this again this morning Thank you Stephen for reading that portion of scripture if all of you could turn your bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the portion that Stephen read for us was verse 18 to verse 23 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18 to 23 But before we look at this portion of scripture there's a small story that I want to share with each of us and I hope that you listen to me very carefully There's a story told about this lion this lion that was living in the jungle Now the problem about this lion was that he was very proud. He was very proud of himself. He he thought a little bit more about who he actually was than he actually was. He thought that he was the greatest king that ever lived in that jungle. You know one day because of his pride, because of who he thought about himself, he went out into the jungle and he was boasting about himself. There was no greater king than him than in the jungle. and as he was walking he saw a zebra that was crossing his path and he said hey zebra stop there tell me who is the greatest king of this jungle and then the zebra with his hands folded he looked at the lion and he said oh king it is you there is no greater king than you that's right you can go on your way and he continued to walk and he saw a monkey on a tree and he looked at the monkey on the tree and he said hey monkey tell me who is the greatest king of this jungle and then the monkey said the same answer that the zebra gave He said it there is no greater king than you you are the greatest king that was there that is there in this jungle please to that answer he continued to walk and he saw a huge a big elephant now this elephant was pushing the rock and this elephant was so involved in pushing the rock that he did not see this lion standing there the lion looked at the elephant and he said tell me who is the greatest king of this jungle the elephant was so irritated he caught the lion by his tail and he twirled him up in the air and he let him go and this lion went crashing on all the coconut trees and he fell down he hurt his head on the stone and after a while he got up he he brushed himself he walked back to the elephant he tapped him on his shoulder and he said if you don't know if you don't know the answer you can just say why are you getting angry for that <laughs> dear cpf brothers and sisters my dear friends as we sit in front of god's word today i would like for all of us to take a minute and examine our own christian lives Have we at some point of time reached this point of pride where we feel that we have become someone has pride slowly crept into our lives and has there become a lot of comfort in our lives probably we are born again believers who think that just because i pray every day and i read my bible every day and as long as i am regular to church and i'm actively involved it looks like as if everything seems to be all right Are you going through that phase in your life? Am I going through that phase in my Christian life as we hear the word of God? Have we somewhere in our Christian life come to that point of Job where even though all of these things have happened to him in his life he becomes so proud of his self-righteousness that there is a point in Job where he begins to question God himself. You and I can understand him sitting with his friends and having that conversation. Why would God do this to me? But can you imagine Job pointing his finger at God and said, "Why would you 
bring about this in my own Christian life. Don't you know who I am? And brothers and sisters, the passage that we are reading today, verse 18 to 23, talks about that in our own Christian life. Something that we need to be careful about. It's not talking about a casual approach to Christian life, but an everyday examination of who we actually are. Because that is the point, in fact, every day when we read the Bible and when we pray, slowly and slowly, if we are not careful enough, we can have this casual approach to life. I think everything is alright as long as I fill in the blanks. Am I making sense? And that's what this passage, chapter 3, verse 18, 18 to 23 actually talks about. Now we've been, we've been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 3 the last couple of months. So even before I begin to explain 18 to 23, I want to recap the whole chapter so that we understand exactly what Apostle Paul is trying to say over here. And I hope you remember what all we studied when we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What is it that Apostle Paul is basically trying to say in this chapter? You know, I hope you remember we began our study by looking at what Jesus himself in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus himself tells Apostle Paul, You know, Paul, on this rock I will build my church. And he goes one step further and he says, you know, this church that I build myself upon, it is so great and so wonderful that the gates of hell will not, will not prevail over it. Or in another translation, the gates of hate or death will not prevail over it. Now, what does that mean? All bonding and believers who are part of the church of God, one day you and I will physically die. But as it says in 1 Thessalonians, at the voice of the archangel, when Jesus calls us unto himself, all those who are physically dead will one day rise again. And we will go through that moment of glorification and we will live in the presence of God forever. You know, no, no death, no sin will prevail over the doors of the church, is what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 16. And the focus of the church is in the mind of Apostle Paul when he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But isn't it true that even though Jesus has said that, death will not prevail, sin will not prevail, isn't it true that many a times in our churches, through our doors, that sin has quietly creeped inside? You know, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when we were going through this chapter, there are three things that we saw most importantly from chapter, chapter 3 verse 1 to 18. We saw, number one, people in the church of God. Number two, we saw the ministry of the church of God. Number three, we saw the judgment of the church of God. Let me say that again. Number one, we saw the people that are there in the church of God. Number two, the ministry to be done by the church of God. And number three, we saw the judgment of the church of God. And in the light of these three things, verses 18 to verse 23 would make much sense to us. So can we just quickly recap as to what we had studied earlier? You know, when you look at the people in the church of God, any church, for anywhere you go to, these things are very true of the word of God. And Apostle Paul, he begins by talking that in every church of God, there are two kinds of believers. In every church of God, there are two kinds of believers. There are those who are spiritual in the eyes of a holy God. There are those who are spiritual in the eyes of a holy God. Can we just recap? Look at chapter 2 and verses 10 and verse 13. 
First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 13. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual things in spiritual words. Look at verse 15. It is the spiritual man that makes judgment about all things. There are those who are spiritual in the eyes of a holy God. Who is a spiritual man? Who is a spiritual woman? How can I know as I sit in God's presence, listening to God's word right now, that I am a spiritual child of God? Verses 10 we read, it is the spiritual man who searches the deep things of God. I hope you remember what we explained in that, in that verse. The deep things of God is not a reference to the word of God. The deep things of God is a reference to his character. A spiritual man searches what is the character of God. Because he knows that he is the child of God, he tries to inculcate that character into his own life. As a child of God, I want to behave exactly how my father would behave. And that is who a spiritual man is. He or she searches the deep character of God. And when he or she understands that character, he is able to show that through his own life. That is a spiritual man. That is a spiritual woman. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, if you know that verse, say it along with me. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth, God, loveth is born of God, and he knows God. But if he does not love, he, he does not know God because God is love. All of us know that the character of God is love. And as a spiritual man and as a spiritual woman, that is how I search the deep things of God. I know that God is love, therefore I will learn to love my brothers and sisters in his church. One example of the character of God. You know, we say that the love of God and the justice of God is like two sides of the same coin, right? Yes, we know that God is love, but at the same time we know that God is just. And if I am, if I am able to love my brothers and sisters like God, can I also hate sin? Or am I somebody who tolerates sin in my own life and when I see sin in around me? That is who a spiritual man is. If there are spiritual people in the church of God, who is the other group? There are those who are considered to be worldly. Look at chapter 2 and verse 14. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me remind you what we studied earlier. Worldly Christians are those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have tasted the milk of salvation, those who have begun to take their first few steps in their faith but they are satisfied with how they are still living those are the worldly people you look at chapter 3 and verse 3 because of worldly people in the church there is quarreling there is fights there is disagreements there is disputes worldly Christians are us when we come to church and we cannot find anything good with the church. I have problems with my elders. I have problems with the decisions that are made. I have problems with the meetings. I find it difficult to be part of, actively involved because I am not happy with the way things are. And that is a worldly Christian. And why am I not many times happy with the way things are? Simply because it is not the way that 
that that i want it to happen that's a worldly christian i want my opinion to be aired here when i come to church and that is a worldly christian and when i cannot agree with you what else will i do i will fight i will argue i am not looking at the betterment of building the church but rather i am looking at breaking down the church a worldly christian is that person after worship they meet with somebody and say did you know what happened last week with that person that's a worldly christian and that's you and me many a times in our christian life if you're very honest with each other and from this first passage the question i want to ask each and every one of us is am i a spiritual man or am i a worldly christian when i think of the examples of worldly christians i think of great the great king saul the great man who was a head taller than everybody else in the people of israel but in in first samuel chapter 17 when a 9 feet giant had to stand there he was inside the tent that is a worldly christian that is a worldly christian i think of the great man samson no one no one could be compared to him but many a times instead of spending his knee on his, spending time on his knees in prayer he would lay his head on the lap of many women and as a result of which you and i know how he ended up in his life and that is who a worldly christian is an apostle paul says my dear brothers and sisters wherever you are whichever church you are part of either you are in that worldly sense or you are in that spiritual sense and my brothers and sisters none of us are sent here to look at somebody else's life we are all supposed to look at our own lives and examine how our walk with the lord jesus christ is number 2 very quickly we looked at the ministry of the church you know now you should keep this in your mind now who is basically doing the ministry of the church it is those who are spiritual and it is those who are worldly yeah they together are doing the ministry of the church is that possible we looked at the example of the 12 disciples you know we know that along with jesus there was someone like peter and then there was someone like judas for 3 and a half years he went along with the lord jesus he thought it was much more important to sell the perfume and help those with that money but for 30 pieces of silver he also betrayed the lord jesus christ and it is possible it is possible for people together to do the ministry of the lord what is the ministry done by the church we looked at three important points number 1 do i do the ministry of the church in order to be a pleaser of man do i do all that the lord has asked me to do because i want to please people who come to church do i stand and preach from god's word do i teach exhort sing you know teach sunday school do i do all these things just so that 10 people in church will know my name That's what apostle Paul reminds us. Look at chapter 3 and verse 4. For when one says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Are you doing these things just to please men? Do you follow certain people just because you want to please them? Do we become pleasers of men when when we when we live our Christian lives? Let's take a moment about uh, the life that we live after worship comes to an end. What do we do? Do we do things just to please men? I hope you remember a phrase that we had discussed when we went through this passage. You know, if Daniel wanted to please men, he could have avoided the he could have avoided the the den of the lions. If Joseph wanted to please men and Potiphar's wife, he could have avoided the prison and the pit before that. If Jesus wanted to please men, he could have avoided the cross and that's the price that they had to pay 
in order to not become pleasers of men what about you and what about me if you are not pleasers of men number 2 we studied we need to remember and understand that we will always always be reminded that we are servants of god always look at chapter 3 and verse 5 what after all is apollos and what is paul only servants through whom you came to believe i will remind myself daily that i am a servant of god i will remind myself daily that irrespective of my secular job irrespective of my secular studies irrespective of the fact that i am a full time servant of the lord that i am here to serve people i am not here to look at my own needs but many times i will have to put your need first i will have to sacrifice because that is the great example of the lord jesus christ because he came not to be served but to serve and to even wash the feet of his disciples and number 3 i will always remind myself that but i will wait on the lord to make things grow in my life look at chapter 3 and verse 6 i planted the seed apollos gathered it but god made it grow in in comparison to the ministry of the church you know let us not be worried let us not be worried when we go out for outreach and we don't see many fruits it's okay at the lord's time he will make it grow you know let us not be worried when you and i are investing our time and and our effort on a brother or on a sister or we do not see growth we will wait for the lord we will wait for the lord to bring about that growth in our church and that is in comparison to the ministry of the church and the last time i hope you remember we studied about how we can be builders of the lord jesus christ you remember what kind of a builder am i that is what we looked at last time what kind of a builder am i we looked at three things number one we looked at the expert builder right you look at verse 10 it says by the grace god has given me i laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it you know an expert builder who's an expert builder someone who's very careful with his or her life someone who's very careful in how their walk with the lord is it's not just a sunday morning worship but an every day examination he or she is that expert builder you remember the word expert in that passage is where we get the word architect from an architect is someone who sits down and he makes a blueprint he puts that effort he makes sure that everything is right the measurements go hand in hand so that the building will stand firm and i hope you remember the materials that we spoke about right the last time we studied the materials that we use is in reference to our motives why we do these things we looked at from verses 12 onwards when i do anything with good motives it is like gold it is like silver it is like precious stones when i do anything in the church or anything i do to build my bo- body with evil motives it is like hay it is like straw and it says one day i will stand at the judgment seat of christ and all of these things will be put through the fire and we know that the wood the hay the straw will be burned away the gold the silver will remain which talks about our good motives and only for that you and i will be rewarded there'll be so many of us who think that we are doing things for the lord but when we stand in the presence of god many a times maybe we might find ourselves of coming up short are we an expert builder 
We spoke not only about the expert builder, we spoke about the unwise builder. Look at verse 15. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. The unwise builder. Unwise builder. That's again a born again believer. That's the person that comes to church. I'm here. I've put my attendance. I break bread. I put my offering. I read my Bible once upon a time. That's once in a while. That's all. And I'm happy with the way I live my life. Because they are a born again believer, will they be in heaven? Oh yes, but it says in verse 15, but someone, it's like someone passing through the fire. He is there or she is there because of salvation, but they will have nothing to show forth as their works at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we spoke about the destructive builder, verses 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. That's talking about a group of people who come to church thinking that they are born again believers. Probably because they were born in a Christian home with a Christian name and they've been going to church. Probably some way along the line that they've they've thought to themselves that yes, I am a child of God. They are people who live and they are very happy in the sinful life that they have been living. They desire not to make any changes in their life. But in fact, the scriptures say that they are destructive in their building. They are not only destroying their own body, which is the temple of God, but by coming to church, they are also slowly disintegrating or destroying the church of God. And God himself says that he will destroy such people. It reminds me of that story where one day God will look at the people on his left and on his right and he will look at a certain group of people and he will say, come into my kingdom. And he will look at the other group of people and he say, I don't even, I don't even know you. And my brothers and sisters, I, I speak this passage with a lot of fear in my heart that if there's anybody sitting here today and if you fooled yourself into thinking that you are a child of God, would you take a minute and examine your Christian life? Would you examine your walk with the Lord Jesus and so not fool yourselves into thinking that you are a child of God? And in the light of all of these things that we've read, now it will make sense to us when we read verses 18 to verse 23. Can somebody read verses 18 for me? The next was also? For the wisdom of this world is folly mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. You know, in the light of all that we just heard right now, Apostle Paul says, It is possible, it is possible for every born again believer to reach this casual approach in life. It is possible after a while you and I come into this comfort zone in our Christian life. We think that as long as we are reading the Bible and we are praying that everything seems to be alright. We think that as long as we get up in the morning and we use the same words and as long as I have done my Christian duty in reading the Bible, in reading my passage, as long as I come to church and I smile and I shake your hand and I ask how are you doing, I I, I think everything is alright in my life. 
And that's why Apostle Paul, he warns all born-again believers, verse 18, don't deceive yourself, my brothers and sisters. Don't just think that every time, everything might seem all right in your Christian life. It says, if any of you think that you are wise by the standard of the world or this age, you are actually a fool. You are actually a fool. And that's what I want to share with each and every one of us. Number one, let us not become wise by the standard of this world. Because by then, we are actually fooling ourselves. Because the standard of this world is not a standard that actually belongs to God. But can you tell me the answer? The standard of this world is a standard that belongs to? That belongs to? It belongs to Satan. And Satan will always allow us to think casual of our Christian life. Satan is the same person who appeared in the Garden of Eden and he told Eve, how was your relationship with God? It's great. Did you talk to God yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday he explained to us how he made the rainbow. That's wonderful. Did you spend time with your husband Adam? He did. By the way, come here. What about that fruit that he made? Did God really say that you're not supposed to do this? Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat this? You know what? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that God has not told you. The reason why he does not want you to eat this because he knows that when you do it, you will become like. And that's how doubt creeps into our mind. And then we have questions. And we stop reading our Bible and then we think it's okay for us to not read our Bibles. We get busy with work. We have no time for our families. We have no time to teach our children. And we think that as long as I come to church on Sunday, I say sorry to God, I partake of this table, everything is alright. No, the Bible says, don't deceive yourself. James 1.22 is another warning. It says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so fool yourselves. It says we should do what it, it says. Can we all take a minute right now and ask, how, how is my spiritual life actually? Yesterday, did I do my Bible reading? What was the conviction of sin that was there? What did God speak to my heart? What did I learn about God? What did I learn about my sin and what I needed to change in my Christian life? Can we read another passage? If you turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. And if somebody can read for me verses 3 and 4. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4. this verse means it says if there is anybody thinking if there's anybody thinking that he is something when he's actually nothing he is fooling himself if there's anybody sitting here who over a period of time is thinking i've been a believer in the lord for such a so long time everything seems to be fine no we deceive ourselves so what can i do how can he be careful the next verse says we should test our own actions Every day, we need to test our own actions. When we read the word of God, what is the attitude with which I read the word of God? Is it just to fulfill a daily task or is it because I really want to ask the Lord to speak to my heart? Am I too busy with work? And there's something seriously wrong. Am I using the same exact words when I pray? Is those words of prayer coming out because it's a routine? Or do I take effort when I pray to pause and say, Lord, I thank you 
that you are there to enable me to understand if there is sin or if there is wrong in my life. Each one of us should test our own actions so that we can take pride in ourselves. We can know, yes, my relationship with the Lord is very strong. My brothers and sisters, I don't want us to be fooled, myself included. Just because I stand here in the pulpit and preach to you every month does not mean that every time everything is alright in my life. I struggle too. There are moments when I too need to go back to the word and I ask and I am convicted and I say, Lord, I didn't know that this was there in my life. And you and I need to go through this every single day. Can I take this one step further and encourage us? If you find it difficult to do it by yourself, would you encourage an elderly brother or sister in the church to do it with you? That would really help. Trust me. If you could find a mature brother or a sister, our elders, our deacons, someone that you consider that you look up to, would you ask them to sit with you and say, this is my struggle. I've taken my Christian life to be too casual. I don't want to go in the same way that I've been going. Would you sit and pray with me and can we study the scriptures together? Because it says, if you look according to the standard of this world or this age, we have become fools. Verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. In the light of what we hear right now, I want each of us to ask our own self and ask ourselves if I have taken my Christian life to be very casual. Or if there is anything that I really need to do to shake up my life. And what does the casual Christian do? What does the casual Christian do when he starts to think that everything is alright? When he considers his relationship with the Lord, slowly he starts to boast himself in the Lord. He thinks of himself to be someone that is great. He thinks, he thinks of himself to be someone who is so close to God that nothing can shake him. You look at what he says in verse 21. He says, so then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. Not only should you boast about people of God, you should not boast about yourself. Boasting then becomes a way of life of the casual Christian. When he looks at his own life, he thinks that he's someone great. Or she thinks of herself as someone great. When they stand, they cannot testify of who God is, but rather of who they are in their own Christian life. And if you ask me, I think that's actually what happened to Job. When you look at his relationship with the Lord, he was a righteous man. His relationship with the Lord was good, but somewhere in between, in the midst of that suffering, that trial and that tribulation, he slowly began to think of himself much more than what he was supposed to. And the last few chapters of the book of Job is very terrifying. God tells the friends of Job, why don't you all take a, why don't you all take a minute and just sit out? I want to talk with him face to face. And God says, Job, come here. You've been talking too much. You've been pointing your fingers. Let me ask you a question. Where were you when I created the foundation of this world? Where were you when I painted the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, and all the splendor and glory that you see? Where were you when I called out the creatures from the deep? Where were you, man? And what did Job do at the end of it all? He? He closed his mouth. He closed his mouth. Because he could not answer. And when we, start to, when we start to boast and think too much about ourselves, probably God might interfere, right? 
And if God were to approach us and give us a piece of his mind, that's not going to be a pleasant sight. It would always be better for us as born-again believers to go into our presence of the Lord, bow down on our knees and confess and tell him, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've only thought about myself. That I've thought that I'm far too greater. Because of my relationship with you and because of all that I do in the church and because of all the encouragement that I get, I think I am someone in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) When in fact I'm actually, I'm actually nothing. That's why he says there's no more boasting about men. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Number one, I should not think that I am wise by my own standard. I should not have a casual approach to my Christian life. Number two, because of this casual approach, because I think that everything is going right, I should not begin to boast of myself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, Instead of boasting about myself, can I encourage us to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ? You look at chapter 1 and verse 31, the last verse. Chapter 1 and verse 31, it says, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ? All that I am, I am only because of what the Lord Jesus has done for me. All that I do, I do only because of the grace that the Lord Jesus has given to me. I struggle in my sin, but I know that I can take one step further because the Lord Jesus is forgiving. He is loving, compassionate, slow. And he abounds in in, in so much of love. All that I am and I do is only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we sing that song and that song is there in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 onwards. It says, let not the wise man boast of his, louder, let not the wise man boast of his, let not the strong man boast of his, let not the rich man boast of his, but let him who boast, boast about this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What else has taken my attention from the Lord Jesus Christ? What else has taken my attention to give the Lord the praise, to give the Lord the glory, to give the Lord all that is due unto His name? Have I begun to boast in myself, but rather can I encourage us to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not in my riches, not in my knowledge, not in what I do, not in how many people know me, but only because of who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. And who am I in the Lord Jesus Christ? A sinner saved by by grace. No matter how many times I fall and no matter how many times I come into God's presence, I know that the Lord will still forgive me. And He gives me the hope that I need for tomorrow. That is who I will boast in. And because I boast in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't need your appreciation. I don't need to look at what you want to say about me. All I need to desire and think about is what the Lord thinks of me. And one day when I stand in his presence, he will make it clear in front of everybody else. So it's okay if people don't notice 
or see what I do in Calvary Bible Fellowship. It's okay if I if I'm not noticed, if I'm not appreciated. It's it's okay if I do something in the secret and I wished that people would know and I would be called and given a star. It's okay for me. Because I know that one day, even though you have not seen it, one day, I know that my father has seen it and one day in his presence he will and I will wait for that day. And I will boast only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul also talks about boasting. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 30. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 30. It says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my Show my weakness. You look at chapter 12 and verse 10. This is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am. I am strong. But as born again believers, do we ask the Lord to give us weaknesses? Do we ask the Lord and say, I am ready to suffer, to be persecuted, to be insulted? Do I, do I have the desire to go through hardships of life? Whatever it may be, it might be a physical ailment, it might be difficulty at work, it might be difficulty in my relationship with my spouse, it might be difficulty in my studies, it might be the promotion and the desiring for, but that has not yet come for me. I'm going through a tough time right now. But no matter how tough my situation will be, can I use that situation to praise and worship God? As we were rightly reminded this morning from Joseph, would we use every situation that we go through to say, yes, thank you Lord that I am weak because when I am weak, that is the time I am. Because I know that when I've come to the end of my rope, I will do nothing else but go back to God and say, I cannot make sense of this. Would you please, please tell me what I need to do? And there is no other greater person than the Apostle Paul to say these words, right? From 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. Imagine if we, had, if we had Paul sitting here with us and if you would ask him, Paul, give us a summary of your ministry that you did here on the earth and you would say, I've lost the number of times I've been beaten and I've been shipwrecked. The people have spat and cursed me. I've lost the number of times that I've gone through discouragements in my life. That I've gone to a new place and shared the gospel and the church was formed. And then the church would turn back and question me and my ministry. I've lost the number of times where I felt, oh God, so far away from me. But did he ever give up? Instead, he boasted whenever he was weak. So much so that at the end, when even he was in the prison, he was able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have I've kept the faith. Now I know there is in store for me the crown of righteousness that God will give to all who long for his appearing. I know I will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and God will put his hand on my shoulder and he will say good and faithful servant. And that's all I want to hear from him. I don't want to hear that God says you are a great preacher, a great singer, a great dancer, whatever. I want to hear him say that I am, that I am faithful. Brothers and sisters, have we become very casual with our life? Or do we need to shake things up? Have I been reading the Bible every day so that I just get it done with? 
Or is it time for us to sit with the word and ask the Lord, would you speak to my heart? Would you convict me of my sin? And would you show the change that I need to do? Have we, been become, have we started to boast about ourselves? Do we think too great about ourselves than much more than we are actually supposed to? But can I encourage us all to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ? My dear friends, of all of those who are sitting here listening to my word today, if there's anybody sitting here and if this is the first time that you've heard a message like this and if you've realized that there is an awesome God like this, we would like to extend this hand of salvation to you as well. Would you take a minute and think about your life? Would you take a minute and think about your relationship with God? If you've never made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus in your life, would you take a minute now to close your head, to bow your head, to close your eyes and bow your head and ask the Lord Jesus to come and live into your heart? Can I, take, can I ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their head for a minute as we close in prayer? And before I pray, I would like for each of us to just think of our own lives. I would like for you to examine your life as I examine my own life. I would like for us to examine the, our life on the basis of what we heard right now. And before we pray, can you ask the Lord to show you where you've become casual in your life? Where you have become casual in your decision making? Where have you become casual in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you ask the Lord, as I ask the Lord myself, to, to show us if we begun to boast of ourselves, to think too great of ourselves, to remind ourselves that just as the psalmist says, we are like the wind, we are like the, the plants of the field. Today we are here, tomorrow we are no more. Do you feel burdened by your weaknesses, your physical ailments, your trouble at work, your shortcomings? Can you boast in the Lord because of that? Can you tell the Lord, I want to boast because I am weak. Because it is when I am weak that I am strong. Because when I am weak and I know I have no one else to turn to or nowhere else to go, you are there for me, Lord. Would you give me the strength? Would you take a few seconds to pray whatever is there in your heart? And then I'll pray and then we'll close. Our gracious God, our loving and our living Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for allowing us to examine your word. We pray that we will not merely listen to the word and so fool ourselves, but we will do what the word of God says. Enable us to daily examine our walk with you, to see how we fare in the Lord Jesus Christ, to make changes. And Lord, if you've become too casual about things, enable us to be serious about our decisions in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you enable us to examine our lives every single day. And we pray that you would allow us to prepare ourselves because we know that one day you are coming. And when you will come, we will stand in your presence and give you an account. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. For it is in your precious name we ask and we pray.